Brother Terry. If you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of First Kings. The book of First Kings. First Kings chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17. I want to read verses uh, 1 through 7. Going forward in revival, lessons from the brook of Kirith. Lessons from the book of or the brook, I'm sorry, lessons from the brook of Kirith. 1 Kings 17, and we'll look at 1 through 7. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn eastward, and hide thyself by the brook of Kirith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And so he went and did according Unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the book of Kirith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. We had a great time in revival services this past week. I believe with all my heart that the overwhelming majority that attended the services honestly experienced a fresh encounter with Jesus and recommitted themselves to follow Jesus. This morning, I want to share with you how we can keep going in revival spirit. 1 Kings chapter 17, you have the person by the name of Elijah. Elijah was sold out 100% to God. Elijah is one of my favorite Bible characters. This is the very first time that he's mentioned in Scripture. Notice he's referred to as Elijah the Tishbite. Uh, This ragged man from a mountain region known as Gilead, was known by his birthplace, Elijah, the Tishbite. But after a while, people began to see God not in him, but God on him. Chapter 17, verse 18, he's referred to as the man of God. So first you have him referred to as Elijah, the Tishbite, Then in chapter 17, verse 18, he's referred to as the the man of God. So he wasn't identified by his region of birth, but by his relationship with God. But something happened at the end of his life, by the end of his life. People didn't say, there goes Elijah the Tishbite. They didn't say, well, there goes Elijah. Elijah, the man of God, they just simply said, there goes the man of God. 
Now the Bible tells us that Elijah was a man that was likened to us. James chapter 5 verse 7 says he had, we have the same nature. If you'll notice James 5 verse 7, he says this. He says, be patient therefore. I think it's James 5. I might have jotted down the wrong scripture. James 5 17, here it is. Elijah was a man. King James says Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. ESV said Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. He had a nature like us, simply meaning that he was weak as we are weak, and he, he failed like we fail. He had a nature like us. He was no different than us. However, this man that had a nature like us, he began to apply and he began to practice certain truths which enabled him to keep on following God regardless of whatever circumstance he found himself in. So I asked myself the question, what shaped, what molded this man of God that he could follow God 100% regardless of what things he found himself in. What enabled him to keep following God even to the point of calling fire down from heaven on Mount Carmel? Where did he get this boldness? Where did he get this tenacity? Where did he get this brass? Where did he get this dedication to follow God when all types of things happening to him in his life? You know, I believe that God prepared Elijah to follow him by giving him some lessons at a little brook called Kirith. He learned a lot there. Most of us in our employment, uh, we were trained in what we do. Um, we, were, we have jobs that required training or required some type of schooling. And just as just as your previous schooling prepared you to do whatever you're doing, the lessons that Elijah found at Kirith prepared him for what lay ahead. Kirith was where he went for basic training. Some of you were in the military and you went off for basic training and, and AIT and you went off to prepare yourself for military your physical training, and then what you would be doing for the military. This was his basic training to go to a little brook called Kirith. See, you can't bypass Kirith and go straight to Mount Carmel. He had to have some training. And so the point is, if we're going to be men and women and what God wants us to be, and if we're going to continue in revival where we won't be distracted, where we can maintain our focus, we have to know something about this place called Kirith. So there's some lessons from the book of Kirith. I've jotted down a few. First of all, if you're taking notes, first lesson, God has a recognized plan. If you look if you would look at 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite, who was an inhabitant of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, 
There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came and said unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook of Kirith, that is before Jordan. Now you need to get the picture. Elijah standing before a very wicked king named Ahab. And he pronounces God's judgment upon the land there to the king. Essence, he said, King, you're going to have three and a half years drought on your land. This upset the king. And what would Elijah do since the king was upset? Well, look at verse 3. He heard the Lord say, Get thee hence and turn eastward and hide thyself by the brook Kirith that is before Jordan. So Elijah started on the journey. And he started on that journey because he was always sensitive to the voice of God. He was constantly listening for the voice of God. So he started this journey to the brook of Kirith. And so Kirith was just a little brook there in the mountains between Jericho, Jerusalem and Jericho. It was kind of at the bottom of a canyon. You had cliffs on both sides. You had high mountain range. You had lots of rocks. It was kind of shut off from the world. It was somewhat secluded. That's where God was sending him. This is where God told him to go there in verse 3. And notice what he said in verse 3. He said for him to hide himself at the brook Kirith. Now you have to understand that word hide. Go hide at the brook Kirith. That word hide is not to hide like we would think the word hide. It's not like he was hiding from the enemy. It's not like we would hide from the enemy. The word simply means to take time, to retreat, to be absent, to pull yourself away. Don't hide to protect yourself from Ahab, but you need to get away for a while. You need to get quiet. And so God instructed him to come apart, to come away in order for him, God, to reveal himself to Elijah and to prepare him for what was ahead. So you need to go to the brook Kirith. Now, this plan is recognized throughout Scripture where God pulls people away to speak to them and to talk with them and to guide them. He's always called men and women to go to their Kirith. He spoke to Joseph, and Joseph was in his Kirith before he became a master there in Egypt. He was in a dungeon. God dealt with him there. Moses, his brook of Kirith was 40 years isolated in a wilderness where God could speak to him and work with him and train him. Joshua, that took the place of Moses, his Kirith or brook Kirith was 40 years in a wilderness, wandering in a wilderness while he at the same time could see Canaan, could see the promised land. And then you have the upper room. The disciples gathered 120 of them after the resurrection they went there to hide. They went there to wait for 10 days until they were filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49. That was their brook, Kirith. Evangelist Ron Dunn made this comment. He said, there is a diff- he said, this is the difference between first century Christianity and 21st century Christianity. 
first Christian, first century Christianity, they prayed for 10 days. Then Peter stood up and preached for 10 minutes and 3,000 people were saved. And today we pray for 10 minutes, we preach for 10 days, we see a few people saved and we tell everybody that we experienced a Pentecost. That's about the way it is. The point is we'll never continue to experience genuine revival until we recognize God's plan and that is for us from time to time go to our brook of Kirith. Get away. Pull ourselves away. Let God speak to our hearts. Jesus, if you remember, he had his brook of Kirith. For 30 years he spent in silence and in somewhat seclusion in a carpenter shop listening to his father. Then one day he kind of stepped out and he changed the world. 30 years in subjection to his parents. 30 years faithfully attending the synagogue. 30 years preparing for ministry that would only last for three years, but he never forgot his Kirith experience. And then if you remember right before the cross, he found his Kirith among some olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he absent himself from his disciples, and he went and he talked with God, and God spoke to him. He went there to meet God. So the question is, have you had a Kirith? Have you went and hid yourself at your brook of Kirith where God can speak to you and you can talk to God? Too many today, I'm afraid, they want the success of Mount Carmel without first being willing to pay the price at Brook Kirith. Now, you know that Elijah went on from Kirith to Mount Carmel later, but Kirith was always uh, leading him to Mount Carmel. Your Kirith will always lead you to Mount Carmel. So the point is to continue in revival, renewed commitment to follow Jesus. There must be a brook of Kirith. So there's a recognized plan if we're going to continue to follow Jesus. We have to pull away to our brook of Kirith. Jot this down, number two, I've noticed here. God's restricted promise. Look at verse four. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I just put a parenthesis around the word there. I did that in red, and I underlined it. That's a very important word. He received a promise from God. Elijah received this promise from God. It was a restricted, it was a promise that was conditional, and, and God said, I will feed you there, T-H-E-R-E. It was there at the brook of Kidron that the ravens were instructed to, to feed Elijah. It was there. What if Elijah had chose to go somewhere else? What if he chose another place? What if he chose a better place than Kidroth? Wonder if Elijah, being, being from that area, growing up there in, in, in Gilead, wonder if he chose to have gone to Gilead instead. He knew better places to hide than Kirith. What if he'd gone back to Gilead? What would have happened? He would have starved to death and he would have died because God had commanded the ravens to go to Kirith, to the brook of Kirith. He would have starved to death, died, he'd missed God altogether. And for the ravens had not 
because the ravens had not been commanded to go anywhere else but to T-H-E-R-E, there at Kira. The point is, it's very important. It is very important. It's an important thing being where God tells you to be and doing what God tells you to do. Make sure you're in God's will. You're where God tells you to be, and you're doing what God tells you to do. Before we can continue to follow Jesus in revival spirit, we must be where God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do. We have to be confronted every day with a question. Am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to do? And I pray that you will be. You see, God has never promised to bless us if we're out of his will. He said there in verse 4, It shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed thee. Too many Christians today, I believe, are living defeated lives. They don't have joy. They don't have uh, very little fruit, if any. They don't really have the blessings of God on their life like they could simply because that they're not where God wants them to be or doing what God wants them to do. Could it be that God's promised to meet you there for a restitution? Or has God promised to meet you there for repentance? Or has he promised to meet you there for reconciliation? Where is it that God's promised to meet you? He's promised to meet us there. Well, where is there? There is in the center of God's will. It's where God wants you to be, and it's where God wants you what he wants you to be doing. Recognize the plan, verse 1 through 3, to continue to follow Jesus. Recognize this restricted promise in verse 4. He'll feed you there if you're in his will. Now look at verse 5. Let me mention this. Jot down a required prerequisite in verse 5. I listed this as a required prerequisite. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and he dwelt by the brook of Kirith, that is before Jordan. A, a required prerequisite to be blessed by God is obedience. Remember that, jot that down. Uh, it, there wasn't any arguing with Elijah, there wasn't any defiance, there was no questions, there was no delay. The Bible says that he just simply went. Verse 5, so he went, he went. He went according to the word of the Lord. Verse 2 says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saith. So he went according to the word of the Lord. The point is he believed God, and he was obedient to God's word. He did exactly what God's word told him to do. Remember that obedience is God's prerequisite for being the man, the woman, that God wants you and I to be. So Elijah could have reasoned, he could have argued, he could just flat out disregarded God's word, but he didn't. Elijah was obedient and he went to the brook. I believe the number one problem in the lives of so many Christians is the lack of obedience to God's word. We'll deal with that later on, or the different Sundays from now, perhaps. But they, most Christians hear God's word, they read God's word, they study God's word, but they fail to obey God's word. And uh, all the, you know, all, all of us have a need not to just read it, to hear it, to study it, but to obey it. So at the brook of Kirith, we see God's plan, we see his restricted promise, 
And then we see this prerequisite, and that's obedience. Number four, jot this down. God's released provision. Look at verse 6. What happened? What did God do? When he was there, the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. So after Elijah was hiding at the brook in the middle of God's will, being obedient, God releases his promise there in verse 6. He's in this gorge. He's in the bottom. He's surrounded by, he's in this deep cavern. He's surrounded by cliffs and rocks. And when he looks up, he can see just a little bit of the blue sky because of the tree and the the outline of the rocks and the cliffs. And way up yonder, as far as he could see, he could see them coming. He could see the ravens coming with the flesh in their mouth, bread in their mouth. They were coming to take care of him. The point being God was faithful to his word when certain conditions were, were being met. So the question is, have you ever been short on your provisions? Have you ever come to a point to where you think, I don't know, I don't see I'm going to make it. I don't know how we're going to get through this. Have you ever wondered why you're short on provisions? Well, there's reasons are obvious. There's a lack of prayer. There's a lack of being in God's will. There's a lack of obedience. When you get short on provisions and you're wondering if things are going to work out or not, Check out your prayer life, check out being in God's will, and check out and see if you're being obedient to God. The point is, when Elijah was obedient, God sent the ravens. So the point being, God is faithful, he's willing, he's longing to release his provisions upon the obedience of his children that are in his will. Jot this down for number five, and I'll close with this. God had a revealed purpose. Look at verse 7. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So he went where God told him to go. He goes to the brook of Kirith. The ravens come and they feed him. And plenty of water in a drought-stricken land. When he got there, but all of a sudden the brook dried up. And when I read that, I wondered, well, God, why, why did you allow that? I believe this is the reason. I believe God was testing Elijah's heart to see if he was trusting in the brook of Kirith or if he was trusting in the living God. Now, you may be sitting by your brook of Kirith and it's drying up. It may be your health. It may be your money. It may be friendships. You might have asked the question, why has God allowed the brook to dry up? Because he wants to teach us not to trust in his gifts, but to trust in himself. The choir sang a few minutes, a song a few minutes ago about the gifts and the giver and trusting in him alone, desiring him alone. So be careful not to trust in your brook in the place of a living God. Trust in him. So the big question is, what will God do when the brook dries up? What happens when when there is accomplished. Look at verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, here it is again, verse 9, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. When your brook dries up, always remember that God's going to lead you to another step. 
He'll take you another step. He'll take you another direction. He'll lead us the next step. And the key thing is whether we're obedient or not when he leads us. If you want revival to continue, if you're serious about following Jesus, recognize his plan. Go to Kerry. Recognize his plan. Know that God has a promise. He'll meet you there. God has a promise. He's going to meet you there. God has a prerequisite. He wants you to obey. God will release his provisions, and God will reveal his purpose. And when the brook dries up, go on, because God will lead you somewhere else, and he'll take care of you. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had just to look in these seven, eight, nine verses, perhaps, and look at the life of Elijah. And Lord, when we reflect back upon uh, revival services and commitments that were made, we're going to have to go to the brook from time to time. We're going to have to get along with you. And we're going to have to ask the question, are we where you want us to be? Are we doing what you want us to do? And then we have to put our faith and trust in you, knowing that we're in your will, that you're going to take care of our provisions. Help us to be obedient. Help us to trust you, not just the brook, but trust you to provide for us. When the brook dries up, help us to remember that you have another place for us to go and you have something else to take care of us. In this case, a widow lady with flour that would provide for Elijah. And so help us, Lord, we pray, to continue in revival spirit, continue following you, Lord, by by going through these simple stages as Elijah did. And at the same time, while we're going through those, we're just taking steps to something greater that you have for us. In his case, uh, Mount Carmel, Lord, where he was able to defeat the prophets of Baal simply because he was obedient and faithful and he went where you told him to go. Lord, help us learn a lesson from Elijah. We make this prayer in Jesus' name.